You're listening to the Caramel Apples Podcast. I'm Kennedy Rizzo. And I'm Cooper Lee. And this week, we're going to do a deep dive into the ever-famous riveting hairband slash AOR metal group Def Leppard and how they heavily influenced, impacted, and entranced so many back then all the way up to present day. Talk about bringing on the heartbreak. (laughs) (laughs) This retro trek is going to be so excitable. So without further ado, let's rock it into the orchard. So in our discussion this week, we, the Caramel Apples, will revisit, recall, and briefly look back on some of the tantalizing history and career highlights of one of the most revered, sought-after metal hair bands of the rockin' 80s sphere, that of Def Leppard. Oh my goodness, Cooper. <laughs> oh no, I am so excited to be discussing Def Leppard this week. I hear you. <laughs> Oh, no. I'm going to tell you, they are literally one of my personal favorite standout bands of the 80s. Mm. Of that whole era. (laughs) (laughs) It was refreshing to hear amazing songs like theirs emanating over the radio waves. Um, This music defines our lives and experiences. I mean, life was life, and being a teenager was an absolute adventure. Truly, Kennedy. This was a time that was considered the golden era of AOR rock and virtuoso guitarist. Mm-hmm. A time when bands actually wrote and took great pride in their own songs, playing their own instruments. Yes. <laughs> what a concept. Yes, very foreign these days. <laughs> so fun fact, one may ask, what exactly is AOR rock? This actually may be somewhat helpful to our younger generational listeners, but AOR is defined as a type of popular music in which a hard rock background is combined with softer or more melodic elements. Okay. I think that defines Def Leppard quite actually. I do too, Cooper. And, (laughs) you know, that nicely sets up for our most anticipated discussion on Def Leppard this week. So let's jump right in. Okay. Def Leppard is a British rock band that formed in 1977 in Sheffield, South Yorkshire, England. The band consisted of five brilliantly talented guys, that being Joe Elliott as lead vocalist, Rick Savage on bass and background vocals, Rick Allen for drums and background vocals, 
and actually more on his fascinating experience a little later. Uh, then we got Phil Collin with an E and no S. <laughs> Not that Phil Collins. <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> I know. We'll get there. <laughs> but um, this gentleman, Phil Collin, you know, he's on guitars and background vocals. And then we have Vivian Campbell on guitars. So Def Leppard had well established themselves as part of the ever popular new wave of the British heavy metal movement of the early 80s. And established themselves, they did. Mm -hmm. But I've got something very interesting to share with both you and our listeners, Kennard. Oh, okay. So fun fact. Did you know that Def Leppard, when they first started out, was known as Atomic Mass from 1977 to 79? Hmm. (laughs) Neat, I guess. But I'm thinking the change to Def Leppard is a much better option in my humble opinion. Yeah, <laughs> I guess it's not bad, but uh, yeah, <laughs> I agree, Cooper. <laughs> Def Leppard for the win. <laughs> Def Leppard. Wait, don't you mean Atomic Mass? <laughs> <laughs> All right, stop it, Coop. <laughs> You're so bad. <laughs> As I was saying, (laughs) the band's greatest commercial success came in the full effect mode between the early 80s through the early 90s. Yes, this group and so many others like them were such a huge mainstay during this wistful nostalgic era. Mm -hmm. So not only are we easily transported back there once you hear the opening notes of any given one of their masterpieces, But a flood of other nostalgia of that time truly comes rushing back as well. Yes. You know, as you mentioned mere moments ago, Kennard, that this music defined our lives, you know, all of our experiences back then. Uh Uh-huh. Def Leppard is a huge part of those cherished experiences, especially those with our girl squad. Oh my goodness, Cooper. Yes, yes. <laughs> you know, and for those of us that had the caramelicious privilege of coming up in the 80s, we'd listen to Def Leppard and you could literally close your eyes and so easily recall what was going on in your life, mm-hmm. you know, as well as who was around you, you know, who we were running with. Our girl squad. <laughs> 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 yes, those crazy bozos. <laughs> That's okay. We're the crazy bozos too. <laughs> but you know, we didn't even think twice about it at the time because it was what our life and our experiences were. Mm. And it was much more carefree and enjoyable back then. Oh, totally mm. miss it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but looking back, it was rather extraordinary. I mean, we really had access to some of the greatest music and tracks of all time. Def Leppard being a key part of that. Yeah. So real quick on that. Um, since we were with our girl squad, like almost probably like 99.9% of the time. <laughs> the running bozos. <laughs> yes. You know, we share everything. We shared clothes, um, any and everything. So 
among those things, I had, this was my second uh, cassette tape, actually, that I purchased with my own money, which was the Def Leppard Hysteria album on cassette tape. And I let one of our dear friends borrow it. That was no problem, you know, and she had it for quite some time, and that was no problem. Um, <laughs> but then when she went to give it back, we were on our way to Ponderosa. <laughs> oh, that's a blast from the past. I know, right? We're all packed in their big conversion van. Anyway, yep. <laughs> and we were like in the very back. And I remember she had on a coat. She took it out of her coat pocket. And she's like, oh, what happened? It was already broken. You could tell it was already broken because like her reaction was so not genuine, like like a, an authentic, like, oh, what happened? It was so mechanical. It was. She knew she was hoping to not be in hot water. And I just kind of gave her the side eye. And like, okay, <laughs> thanks for returning it. As long as the tape's not broken, it's fine. Oh, can't have nothing nice. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> All was forgiven. <laughs> good job. <laughs> You're a good person. You're a good apple. <laughs> thanks. But... You know, back to it, you know, the music and memories such as this is what, as you mentioned, so many fond moments of nostalgia come flooding back whenever you hear any given song roll out. Oh, yeah. Good times of friends all hanging out together, less stress. We weren't so completely consumed yet by the tech age. You know, the inundation of smartphones and tablets glued to every palm coming and going. Facts! (laughs) My... You know, it's just crazy how different things look and, and how things have changed over the last 35 years. Yes, yes. So amazed and thankful to have come up during that time. Oh, me too, Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> I am so, so glad we got to experience this firsthand. Mm-hmm. In Technicolor, even. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> it's totally dating us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the color TV. <laughs> But in all seriousness, though, music was vibrant, exciting, was charged and going places. You know, all the top-notch ingredients, if you will, to craft experiences in such a way that gave us such fond memories of those very times now. Yeah. Def Leppard showcased this well, very well. Mm-hmm. Now, as we've stated in previous Orchard Treks, that when there's a wealth of discoveries of any given topic we dive into, we really like to share mostly, you know, focus on some of the key highlights of such that fall within our chosen uh, time decade parameters. Mm -hmm. So that's exactly what we'll be doing this week too. So what do we have here, Kennedy? So glad you asked, Cooper. (laughs) (laughs) So Def Leppard again got their start in 1977. But their first 80s album entitled On Through the Night hit the top 15 in the UK. But although good, it didn't really make much noise other than there. The following year, 1981, their second album was released entitled High and Dry and was produced by Mutt Lang. Mutt Lang played a key role as producer for Def Leppard at the time because it was he who helped categorize and define their melodic hard rock style. The AOR, rock and virtuoso guitarist, we mentioned in an earlier fun fact. This sound was super pivotal in getting Def Leppard to stand out, soon to rise above the competitors. 
The album's most popular track, Bringing on the Heartbreak, stood out as sheer proof of this winning combination. How do we know? Fun fact. True to that era in which Def Leppard was making some beautiful noise, did you know that Bringing on the Heartbreak became one of the first rock videos played on MTV in 1982? Oh. But unlike Def Leppard's first album, this one reached the top 30 and 40 charts in both the UK and the US. Oh, that's what we like hearing now. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> We're moving in the right direction. <laughs> Indeed, we are, Kenage. <laughs> <laughs> so continuing on that momentum, we're now ready to discuss Def Leppard's next studio album that was released in 1983, Pyromania. Pyromania! <laughs> A couple of chart toppers contained therein we came to enjoy was Photograph and Rock of Ages, mm-hmm. which both unsurprisingly roared up the U.S. rock track chart, reaching the top 20 of the Hot 100. Mm-hmm. The Pyromania album reached number two here on the U.S. album chart. It was also certified diamond status mm-hmm. <laughs> in the States by the RIAA, that's Recording Industry Association of America, as well as seven times platinum in Canada and hitting the top 20 at home for them in the U.K. But that's where most of this album impact was. Pyromania, as we stated previously, shifted away from its earlier traditional heavy metal roots toward a more radio-friendly sound, which propelled Def Leppard toward massive mainstream success. Selling over 10 million copies, Pyromania charted at number two on the Billboard 200, as you just shared there, Coop. And whatever could be the reason for this, though. (laughs) (laughs) Good question. I'm just putting this disclaimer out there that we're just over the moon at deep diving Def Leppard's success and so glad it happened. <laughs> L-O-V-E, me some Def Leppard, just saying. <laughs> I can verify it for that. I vouch for that. <laughs> Love them. <laughs> Well, the first and very important reason we just discussed was that Mutt Lang was at the helm of the Pyromania album by producing it. You know, as producer and in introducing Def Leppard into the 80s AOR rock realm, we recall so well. Mm-hmm. But what came along with this shift was the virtuoso guitarist. Oh my gosh, the guitars! <laughs> yes, the guitars! <laughs> They were absolutely epic. They were. (laughs) This is a fun fact. Founding member, songwriter, and guitarist Pete Willis exited stage left in 1982 and was replaced by current band member, guitarist Phil Collin, with an E. (laughs) But still, did you know that Pete Willis was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as a member of Def Leppard in 2019? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'd say that's both a nice ode and honor to the group's founding member. Much agreed, Coop. So now that we've introduced our new guitarist on board, this is where I'd like to open this up a bit more on why Def Leppard, as well as so many other bands back then, 
exploded into stardom when continuously rolling out hit after glorious hit. <laughs> so why is that? Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. It's because much like everything else, there was real and raw talent and greater supply back then. You just kind of alluded to that. <laughs> <laughs> and there was much fresher ideas and concepts that translated over into the creative side of things, mm-hmm. especially in entertainment. Yeah. Um, I guess it's a matter of opinion and up for strong debate in what classifies as raw talent. So what we sadly have by way of music, and I say that lightly in air quotes, <laughs> <laughs> Today, going is laughable at best. Mm-hmm. Can we say auto-tune? <laughs> <Yeah>, auto-tune. <laughs> it sounded like it, too. <laughs> <laughs> but in thinking about Def Leppard, okay, we can instantaneously hear the profound components within any given song. Right. So what stands out to you most? Okay, I'd say the voice of lead singer Joe Elliott. I like his voice. It's awesome, and it's very epitome of what defines the unique sound of Def Leppard. Joe Elliott has a very distinctive voice and was a great performer who put on a high-energy show. You know, he is well-known for that distinct, raspy voice. (laughs) I absolutely love it. Okay, what else? Okay, um... I like the guitar medleys and riffs. Uh, even the harder cryptic play dueling they do. Totally love it. Mm-hmm. What else? Um, I also like how the group, you know, worked well together in harmony and looked after each both professionally as well as personally. Okay, Coop, enough with your shotgun question. <laughs> Stinky, what do you appreciate about Def Leppard? <laughs> adored the drums and drumming so rick allen really brought it when it came to wielding those drums oh facts he owned it too (laughs) you know and 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 he helped define that oh so distinctive sound that is very signature Def leopard oh couldn't have said it any better myself (laughs) (laughs) nice explanation there coop you know but you know since we're talking about one of the most popular metal hair bands from back in the 70s and 80s and really, in true Carbal Apple fashion, <laughs> leading into more of what Def Leppard did in the 80s mainly, in my humble opinion, um, they had more of that effortless raw talent to showcase. <laughs> they really checked all the boxes. I mean, they played instruments, sang, uh, yeah. performed live on stage and in concerts. Yeah, and you know, you mix in a little suave and charisma, (laughs) (laughs) and you have the sheer unadulterated attraction and appeal that made many a hairband be ranked as the big time. Oh, yeah. Tried and true fans ate it up. Oh, truly, which (laughs) is why and how we gravitated toward Def Leppard naturally. Uh Uh-huh. Hairbands, metal music, they were synonymous to the rocking 80s. (laughs) <laughs> and speaking of air bands and glam uh, metal, <laughs> many do and have argued that so many of who was popular at the time was due to the very appearance of what fueled white hot back then, you know, during the MTV era. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, it was part of a working trend the entertainment industry was pushing. Well, because it worked. But ones have stated that appearance is not talent. So... I don't know, which, you know, we can't really deny at all. Um, 
with their appearance, the visuals of what glam rock bands look like to the masses of screaming adoring fans. <laughs> and it was really was what was the cherry on top of the whole complete package or brand they were selling. And Cooper, it worked. It did. It really did. I mean, we just love the visuals and the theatrics of Def Leppard and the other glam metal bands while performing. It put their mojo on steroids, no doubt. Yeah. You know, you think about the other um, 80s groups like White Snake, um, <laughs> Motley Crue, which one of our girl squad, that's one of her bands there. Um, oh my God. <laughs> you remember that one song? It goes, do, 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 Dr. Feel Good. Do, do, do. Yes. <laughs> I was running errands yesterday, and that was on on the uh, radio. I'm like, <laughs> is that uh, Guns N' Roses? Oh, is it them or is it Motley Crue? Oh, you know what? Maybe it is Motley Crue. <laughs> <laughs> it was on one of those '80s stations, like their lunchtime '80s. It was Motley Crue. I just looked it up. <laughs> It's kind of a, it's very, (laughs) (laughs) we'll take it though. (laughs) We gotta have something. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Think of the other 80s groups like, oh, White Snake, uh, Motley Crue. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Europe and Twisted Sister, Poison, and so on. Hmm. So the argument, as you said, Cooper, is that appearance is not talent, but most of these glam metal groups possess both. And again, it worked. Yeah, yeah. You name some that are undeniable talent. Oh, yeah. And Def Leppard definitely had this intoxicating mojo, too. <laughs> glam metal was all the rage throughout the 80s. I'm so glad we came up during that time. Me, too. Can't express it enough. <laughs> but you know the old adage of what goes up must come down and unfortunately glam metal suffered a significant decline in popularity around early uh, 90s i'd say even into mid 90s Uh Mm -hmm. uh-huh due to rock music morphing into grunge and more alternative uh revolutionized hard rock fare yeah, yeah. And the visual style promoted by the hair bands changed to a more uh, natural, stripped down aesthetics versus the big hair type <laughs> spandex and leather outfits. <laughs> and of course, the makeup. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> as well as the androgynous aesthetics promoted of AOR rock. Right, right. Um, but we haven't gotten there yet, thankfully, this week. We're just about there, around the time Def Leppard exploded into the sphere to take this crown with their fourth album, Hysteria. Oh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> released on August 3rd of 1987. Okay, everything about what you just said. Okay, that's... <laughs> for one, 1987, that was my year, Coop. <laughs> Hysteria, that is my album. Okay. <laughs> Def Leppard, that was my group. Okay. Where's my lighter at? <laughs> it's the show this week. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Who's responsible? <laughs> and it's Cooper. <laughs> oh, but no, really. I mean, Def Leppard was 110% 
the most nostalgic background soundtrack to so much of what life consisted of back then. Yeah, yeah. Although I'm getting a little misty-eyed on that right now. <laughs> Truly, this is my favorite album of Def Leppard of all time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I seriously have this in my car CD player right now. It's loaded up. Okay, I mean, like, it's on repeat. Like, my favorite song is on repeat. And wow. I have it on my phone. I can hook it up with Bluetooth and everything. Yeah. All I got to do is push play, and those songs are ready. It has to be ready. Let me repeat. <laughs> Def Leppard is my jam. Kennedy, I think we have a problem. <laughs> I do. I need a 12-step program, okay? <laughs> I know. My hubby gets in the car, and he's like, Oh, Def Leppard again. I'm like, yes, what's wrong with that? <laughs> yeah, so he's definitely going to be taking you for your 12 steps, huh? Oh, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Only because he keeps having exposure therapy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh god i concur kennedy and apparently we're not the only ones right thankful right right so this follow-up album to pyromania hysteria had so much surrounding its creative process as well as some of the band members involved but despite some of the interesting drama that went down at the time it took three years for the hysteria album to come out Mm, mm, mm. Um, it was by no means smooth sailing, but well worth the wait. Facts. <laughs> Slow and steady, right, Kennedy? Thanks, guys. Because <laughs> yes, we are happy that it finally did come out. Yes, this was a masterpiece, truly. Yeah. So, fun fact: I forgot to mention this earlier, but do you know how the band got to be eventually known as Def Leppard? Oh, oh, tell, tell. <laughs> okay, so well, lead vocalist Joe Elliott proposed the name Def Leppard, which was originally a band name he thought of while designing band posters in art class. So, pretty cool, huh? Yes, it is cool. <laughs> <laughs> and it was originally spelled Def, as in D E A F, Leopard as in the, the animal. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Okay, that's neat. <laughs> <laughs> I always like the backstory, you know, how the people come up with their name or their brand and stuff. Yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, that's just tight. Def Leppard. I mean, come on. Like, what did you say earlier? They were like, hey, let's, we call ourselves Atomic Mass. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. Just no. I mean, it's probably tied at the time, but Def Leppard far surpasses that. I don't know. Yes. That this always is, sounded way cool. It's, it's, <laughs> it's good that someone, it wasn't just a one and done. Like, there was a vote, apparently. And it's like, yeah, this isn't working. Yeah, if that was Colonel Mustard that had said, that's put the hammer down, said it's atomic mass, uh, we wouldn't be having this conversation, I'm sure. I don't think so. We can't have a Colonel Mustard. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so yeah, Def Leppard is what it is. Always sounded way cool. Absolutely. Um, so the creation of Hysteria took a little over three years to complete. I think you mentioned that a few minutes ago. Um uh, and it's runtime of 62 minutes and 32 seconds. <laughs> Hysteria that makes the band's longest album to date. Fun fact. 
Did you know that the album Hysteria was initially to be named Animal Instinct and was to be produced, too, by Mutt Lang? But he dropped out soon thereafter, citing exhaustion from, as he referred to, as a grueling schedule from the previous few years. Come on, Mutt. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he was kind of the doorstop on stuff sometimes, wasn't he? (laughs) Yes. We can't deny the guy was a genius because this is why we're talking about Def Leppard's because of his producing. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, so Mr. Mutt, <laughs> his doorstop activities greatly frustrated the guys in Def Leppard. Um, with a segue of a couple other creative execs, you know, due to this, they jumped on board to help out with the producing. Um, so now that brings in Meatloaf, songwriter, his name was Jim Steinem, uh, along with Neil Dorfman as engineer. So they even tried to produce the album themselves, along with OG original producer, Mutt Lang's engineer, Nigel Green. Nigel. <laughs> that is a British name, isn't it? <laughs> Nigel. Nigel. But alas, it proved a downward spiral with no success. So due to this, Def Leppard's initial recordings were scrapped. Oh, no. Yeah, that, that's bad news. Definitely. Yeah. So this obviously was one of the hiccups Def Leppard had to face when it came to creating the album Hysteria. But even though Hysteria's creative process changed hands and went through many producers... It ultimately had the bright spot of getting original producer Mutt Lang back, <laughs> back on board for the Yay! <laughs> <laughs> and now we're back in business. Hysteria was set to shine. Yes, and shine it did. Mutt Lang's goal for Hysteria was to be a hard rock version of Michael Jackson's Thriller album. Uh, <laughs> In that every track was a potential hit (laughs) single. (laughs) So the songs were ultimately written with this focus in mind, upsetting heavy metal fans who desired to have a straight sequel to the previous Pyromania album. Uh, Totally understand that, though. Yes. Pyromania offered hints of Def Leppard's uh, traditional heavy metal sound found on their previous two albums. Hysteria removed them in favor of the latest sonic technology available back then. Oh, do tell. Yeah, you can hear and deeply appreciate the sonic technology sampled in the tracks Excitable, Gods of War, Rocket, and Love Bites. Oh, there it is. We pause for Love Bites. Where's my lighter? (laughs) Can't find it. Does anybody know what her favorite Def Leppard song is? Anybody? (laughs) Does anybody have an extra lighter? (laughs) Fun fact. Did you know, just like with Pyromania, that every song in Hysteria was recorded by each member in the studio separately instead of as the entire whole band together? Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. Now, back to the show.
this point of focus right here is so incredibly neat. And I saw a cool documentary on Def Leppard a while back that spoke on this. Hmm. Um, multiple vocal harmonies were enhanced by Mutt Lang's techniques, even pitching background vocals on all cuts. Guitar parts were now focused, showcased more on emphasizing melody than hard rock's more basic cliched riffs. Um, what is your favorite track on this album, Coop? Oh, well, you know what? I would have to say that it's Hysteria. I really, really like Hysteria. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's actually my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to ask you, Kenich, mm. what is your favorite song on this album? <laughs> <laughs> this is a mystery, right? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> well... I really like all of them. <laughs> I know I like to cheat, but um, <laughs> my absolute favorite track of Def Leppard's is Lighter Please Love Bites. <laughs> I'm telling you, Coop, it's in my CD player right now in the car. I oh mean, my God. I actually, for my anniversary last year, my hubby got it for me for the anniversary. So it was my anniversary gift. Oh, nice. Yeah, they have a greatest hits collection. That's what I have. <laughs> oh, nicely done, Hubby Hubs. That's right. He got a couple cool points, though. So. <laughs> 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 but, you know, to me, Love Bites is Def Leppard. And I don't know, whenever I hear it, like, even the very first few notes played, it instantly takes you back. Yeah. 1987, baby! <laughs> <laughs> Kenneth is definitely having a good day. We're talking about her favorite year and her favorite song. So everything is good and right in the world for her today. It is, and the sun's out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. Fun fact Did you know that Love Bites was already mostly written in vain of a country ballad by Mutt Lang? when he originally presented, proposed this track to Def Leppard. Oh, crazy. No way. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I wonder if you'd still would have liked it as much. I don't know. I think it was the special techniques and, and touches yeah. that they put did it for Def Leppard that put it over the top. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That, that song just takes you places. I don't know. Like, it's just, it's not just a song. Like, it's a whole epic adventure once from start to finish. I don't know. It's great. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, all I can say is that they did its due justice on it and that's for certain. Yeah. yeah. Cooper, you know, hearing the songs on this album and, and so many other hot songs during that era, again, it just takes you back to wonderful times. And we readily got to enjoy so many authentic offerings packaged in the realm of pop culture. Yeah. So, I don't know. The, the time where everything was carefree, you know, kids were, you know, in the moment, teens were hanging out at the pool, the malls, um, playing outside, going to the Friday night football games. Yeah. Hitting up your local mom and pop small time pizza joint and on and on. <laughs> oh, which goes right along with what we're talking about and great detail this week. And just how strong and pivotal the music revolution was. Yeah. And and with Def Leppard and other cool and crazy hair glam bands, you know, it was huge 
that integral part of the foundation of the MTV landscape, mm-hmm. as well as pop culture in general. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Def Leppard is absolutely incredible, and I'm so glad they're deeply woven into our nostalgia, Kennedy. Oh, agreed. Yeah, what say you? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Every single song of theirs is timeless, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Music of today, if you want to call it that, <clears throat> it does not hold a candle to the nostalgic sounds such as what of what Def Leppard created. Yeah. I mean, just take our two favorite songs for their of theirs for just a second. You know, we just mm-hmm. stated, you know, we, we talked about hysteria and love bites. So I totally love love bites. <laughs> One of the many reasons why I adore that song was because it contained some of the most epic guitar riffs ever. Yeah. The guitar work in Love Bites, also so many other of their other songs were flawless. Like in your favorite song, Hysteria there, Coop. Yes, Hysteria has always been my favorite Def Leppard song. (laughs) And about Hysteria, this is the kind of song which plays at the end of an ultra-cool 80s film like after, you know, two teenage stars finally fall in love and right off into the sunset, yeah. which the whole track lasts five full minutes <laughs> until the end of credits and then it fades to black. <laughs> that is so 80s. I feel you, Coop. <laughs> That's an awesome description of hysteria. <laughs> And all of this going down in an IROC Z, no less. (laughs) 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 Rock ballads were very romantic once upon a time. We said it earlier that this music defined our lives and experiences. And these songs never get old. Mm -mm. Pour some (laughs) sugar on me. 80s bonafide anthem if there ever was one. Oh yes quite <laughs> definitely <laughs> so we we did get off a little track some about the warm memories and good times we can recall from our recent past uh, but now we'll speak of the tragedy uh, and drama surrounding the album Hysteria yeah so we've got to share the good as well as the bad so amidst the beautiful barrage of melodic rock sounds there was a dark side surrounding the album that ushered in copious amounts of fear, uncertainty, and anxiety. Correct. As many a Def Leppard hardcore fan out there no doubt is aware of, on December 31st of 1984, drummer Rick Allen had a horrible car accident. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Where his Corvette flipped off the country road. Hmm. Yeah, and tragically resulted in the loss of his left arm. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. No, not our ever-fabulous genius drummer. Please oh. say it is not so. Yes, that's that's the one you, like, Doug, drummer. I know. I know. Gosh. Hmm. But here's the cool part, though. Um, following the accident... Rick Allen's bandmates were ride or die in firm support of him when he decided to return to playing the drums despite his disability. Crazy, huh? Yeah, so he ended up using a combination electronic acoustic kit with a set of electronic pedals that triggered, as noted via MIDI, MIDI 
the sounds that he would have played with his left arm. Wow. Wow. Talk about sheer determination. I know, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Def Leppard slowly continued production until Mutt Lang unexpectedly returned a year later. <laughs> yes, and Rick Allen had mastered his customized drum kit. And we're so relieved that Mutt Lang is back again on board as producer um, for Def Leppard. Thank you, Mutt. <laughs> <laughs> But here's, unfortunately, a couple more mishaps that come a knocking. <laughs> One, where Mutt Lang had suffered an auto accident as well as sustaining leg injuries from which he quickly recovered. Hmm. We think maybe Mutt really didn't want to produce this album, maybe. <laughs> Curious, right? Yes. <laughs> and two, lead singer, vocalist Joe Elliott suffered a bout of mumps. Did you just say mumps? Yes, mumps. <laughs> in 1986. Oh my gosh. Joe Elliott admitted that those tragedies were the closest they've come to splitting up. Uh. Uh. <laughs> he said that they were really lucky um, that four members of this five man uh, group had been together for 32 years, and this current lineup had been together through much for um, 23 years. Wow, that's brutal. Um, but Def Leppard wasn't about to go down without a fight. Talk about lemons. Mm-hmm, yes. You know, the whole conglomerate surrounding Def Leppard was basically in the context of lemons, but the Leps stood strong. <laughs> <laughs> they took their time, they perfected their craft, and boosted each other, which tightened and heightened the band's morale. Their dynamic was wholesome, genuine, and pure amongst the five members as we've seen thus far. Rock and roll bands so often were tight-knit crews. They were family, tight comrades as they probably refer to themselves, being of the British persuasion. (laughs) You know, that truly helped and looked out for the other. Lemonade. Mmm. So get this. Fun fact. Given the tough times Def Leppard endured over a course of a three-year recording process, did you know that the title of the album, Hysteria, was actually thought up by none other than drummer Rick Allen in reference to his 1984 car accident? Oh, no way. Yeah. The tragic but necessary amputation of his left arm and the ensuing worldwide coverage surrounding it Hysteria is also the last album songwriter-guitarist bandmate Steve Clark was featured therein before his due to alcohol poisoning. Mm. But fortunately for the fans, songs co-written by Steve Clark would appear on Def Leppard's next album, Adrenalize. Oh, you know, that's a lot of stuff our featured band had to duck and dive throughout the creative process of Hysteria. Um, And now provided with some intel and backstory... We've come to appreciate what Def Leppard stands for and represents even more. Mm-hmm. Final recording sessions took shape in January 1987 for the track Armageddon It and a last-minute composition, Pour Some Sugar On Me. Yay! <laughs> right? <laughs> Although producer Mutt Lang spent another three months mixing the tracks. Mutt! <laughs> Maybe his leg, he was sat up with his legs still, I don't that know. <laughs> we'll give him that. Okay. <laughs> so having 
said that. Hysteria was finally released worldwide on August 3rd, 1987. <laughs> but the song Animal as the lead track in other countries, sans Canada and the U.S., where lead single released for the album in Canada and in the U.S. was the single Women. Mm, okay. Well, as one of the world's best-selling musical artists, Def Leppard have sold more than 100 million records worldwide, with two albums garnering the RIAA Diamond Certification, that being both Pyromania and Hysteria. This honor makes them one of only five rock bands with two original studio albums selling more than 10 million copies in the U.S. So we have a bit of caramel apple trivia for you, our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> so we just said Death Leopard is one of five bands with two original studio albums selling more than 10 million copies here in the U.S. Can you name the other four bands in that classification lineup? Hit us back with your most insightful and interesting answers. <laughs> <laughs> this will be interesting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, Def Leppard ranked number three in VH1's 100 Greatest Artists of Hard Rock and ranked number 70 in 100 Greatest Artists of All Time. Fun fact, both the band Def Leppard and bandmate Steve Clark were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in the year of 2019. Steve Clark was eventually replaced with bandmate guitarist Vivian Campbell, who is still going strong with Def Leppard currently. Of course, there's so much more to ooh and ah discover about one of our all-time favorite glam metal bands, but sadly, Hysteria in the year 1987 is about all we'll deep dive into due to our obvious decade parameters. <laughs> But to soon cap off our discussion on Death Leopard this week, what have we brought back to our collective nostalgic minds? To you, or Orchard Archivers? Yeah. The canon of Death Leopard represents a lot more than just music and or musical style as we vividly described. It's a mixture of hard rock, AOR rock, pop and heavy metal elements loaded and armed with its multi-layered harmonic vocals and its intoxicating guitar riffs. Facts. <laughs> so they were often considered one of the top bands of the new wave of British heavy metal movement of the 1970s. Mm -hmm. um, that's late 70s, actually. Yeah. Def Leppard didn't much care for the branding stating, and I quote, we didn't agree that our music was anything like Iron Maiden's. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> well it sounds like they were a bit annoyed by this comparison <laughs> yes <laughs> but in the mid 80s Def Leppard naturally became associated and synonymous with a growing glam metal scene mainly due to their mainstream charted success and glossy production you know and according to Joe Elliott Def Leppard were influenced by everything from pure pop to downright hard rock mm. That's our boys. Yup. <laughs> and Cooper, this maybe is our biased opinion, but there was something deeply hypnotic about the look of so many of these hair bands. I know. I mean, the leps looked pretty good. Mm -hmm. so there was something very alluring, rebellious, and strangely edgy when it came to that hypnotic drawl that so many of these glam bands had back in the day. <laughs> 
I mean, you had their look, you think about their clothing, the way they handled and teasingly played their instruments. <laughs> yes, and of course the hair and throngs of screaming girls crowding the stage. Uh-huh. <laughs> we would so often see these in their videos and such. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and just describing and thinking about all of these elements are so nostalgic. <laughs> Pour some nostalgia on me. <laughs> <laughs> It's so cool that we've lived through this golden era, Kennard. You're remembering this from a front row seat perspective. Oh, yeah. And get this, and speaking highly of Def Leppard, um, here's an outstanding quote from Brian May, famed lead guitarist from the rock band Queen. He says, and I quote, Def Leppard, these guys are not just crowd pleasers. They also embody such an amazing technical excellence. They have it all, end quote. Awesome. Yes. It was Brian May who helped make Queen one of the most successful bands in rock history. He did the honors of inducting Def Leppard into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. How awesome is that? That is majorly cool. (laughs) (laughs) And speaking of amazing... What an amazing orchard trek we've enjoyed this week. Yeah, so cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> we have a couple questions, though, set out for you, dear listeners. Um, so which of Def Leppard's albums and or tracks are your favorite? How many times have you sang along to Animal or Pour Some Sugar on Me Amongst Friends? <laughs> How many memories and good time, feel good moments can be associated with Def Leppard's records? Hit us back. We're eager to hear your responses on this, so let us know what you recall, and let's ignite this fascinating discussion. So what more can we say about Def Leppard? It all started to ignite from their first album, On Through the Night, in 1980, to seven years later, Hysteria cementing the band as legendary icons. Hysteria spent a total of 96 weeks in the top 40. Mm. That's a long time. It is. (laughs) (laughs) Fun fact. Def Leppard won two awards at the 1989 American Music Awards for favorite heavy metal, hard rock artist, and album for Hysteria. Their fame and shining reputations tarries on currently as we are excited to announce that Def Leppard sets to embark on a massive worldwide co-headliner tour alongside another retro fan favorite, journey oh my goodness really yes dominating large venues stadiums everywhere oh that is epic cool coming to a town near you maybe omg (laughs) oh my goodness so you don't get excited about stuff like that anymore like you hear about artists and stuff now you're just like who right I mean, literally, real quick, there is, like, artists, like, you'll see their name. You hear them in pop culture around here, and you're like, I don't know any of their songs. I don't know who this is. Yeah, literally. Who? <laughs> yeah, and you were talking about, we're talking about Def Leppard, and you just said they're going to team up with Journey, and we're going, whoa, I can't contain the excitement, you know? <laughs> True and talent. Listening. Yeah, and you're not even listening to their songs or anything, just saying their names. Exactly. It's totally different now. (laughs) Okay, I got to calm down. I got to calm down. That's so cool. (laughs) So lead vocalist Joe Elliott is quoted as saying about their tour, he says, and I quote, 
this tour is going to be a blast. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> We've toured together before. It was massive and it was good. But this time it's going to be even bigger and better. End quote. Nice. <laughs> Very cool. I know. I would love to get tickets to that, but... <laughs> Def Leppard sold a tremendous number of albums and put on concerts and live shows back in their prime. Oftentimes they wrote and come up with their own lyrics. But other than their timeless music, what again was their true appeal to the many a Gen Xer and Xennial Coop? What was that? Well, simply put, Def Leppard has tremendous appeal to the throngs of female fans. Guilty as charged. <laughs> <laughs> who were a good bit of their loyal followers, uh, buying their singles, records, tuning in regularly and such. Uh-huh. Yes. This is exactly what we'd want to hear blasting continuously over the radio waves. Glam metal, a.k.a. Def Leppard, due to awesome, excitable nostalgia, will always have its true and tried fans. Oh, yes. These two caramel apples are right there with the best of them. Well said, Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> Through tragedy and triumph, Def Leppard is one of the most influential bands of that awesome era. The future will be of no exception. Rocket! <laughs> <laughs> Love what you heard on this week's episode? Well, the answer is simple. To tune into future treks and to the Orchard Archives, meet up with us here next week. Same time, same place at the sweet spot. Subscribe, review, and spread the word. See you next time, Retro Buffs.